That will be our text for this evening. Let me start by sharing a story with you. Not my original story. I've uh, found it uh, over the net. Uh, And I want to make a point in regards to this story. And the story goes, uh, one day, two uh, monks were walking through the countryside. And they were on their way to another village to help bring in the crops Okay, we got there. Now as they walked, they saw an old woman sitting at the edge of a river. She was upset because there was no bridge. (laughs) That's okay. All right, keep that thing quiet now, okay? So this lady was upset because there was no bridge and she could not get across on her own. One of the monks kindly offered and said, we will carry you across the lake. And uh, thank you, she said, gratefully accepting their help. So the two men joined their hands together and lifted this old lady and uh, waded through the, uh, the the river and get her on the other side. And when they got to the other side, they set her off and she uh, went her way. After they walked some uh, mile or so, the second monk began to complain. Look at my clothes, he said. They're filthy, they're muddy. And uh, that's because of carrying that woman across the river. And my back still hurts, he said, from lifting her. I can feel it getting stiff, one of the monks said. Well, the first monk, monks just nodded and smiled, and they kept on walking. Now, a few more miles up the road, the second monk murmured again, My back is hurting me, he goes. So bad. Oh, because... We had to carry that silly woman across the river. I can't go any further, he said, because of the fame. First monk looked down at his partner saying, Have you ever wondered why I am not complaining, he asked. Your back hurts because you are still carrying the woman. But I set her down five miles ago. So far in our series, we have faced our giants of disappointment, our giant of fear, and last Sunday, our giant of loneliness. And tonight, my dear ones, we're going to face the giant of Bitterness. The giant of bitterness. Hebrews 12, would you stand with me please? Beginning here in verse 12. Hebrews chapter 12. 
beginning here in verse 12, Wherefore lift up the hands which hung down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance though he sought it carefully with tears. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And as we would just uh, focus on a couple of these verses, Father, I pray that uh, once again you'd speak to us, you'd teach us your truth, and me, may we as your people make personal applications uh, on this matter of bitterness in our lives. Thank you again for these dear and faithful folks that are here and those that are watching us and listening to us right now. We give you the praise and the glory. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Bitter believers are those who have bitten or have been beaten and then bite others. Bitter believers are those who have been bitten and then bite others. You see, bitterness makes us permanently angry. It produces wrinkles on our faces. It makes our heart beat faster than normal and adds heaviness to our steps. A bitter heart is always a bad heart. And often pumps boiling blood. Are you bitter? Are you getting bitter tonight, my dear ones? I learned and I'm learning that for many, again, saints and sinners alike, many find it hard to get over grudges. They just cannot give up being bitter. Many professing Christians even prefer nursing, nursing their anger, their bitterness, their grudges, rather than enjoying the fellowship of and with God and God's people. Because they find it hard to forgive and let go, they have alienated themselves from the church, alienated themselves from its congregation, uh, and in some cases alienated themselves even from their own family who loves them dearly. Why? Bitterness. Bitterness. Consequently, some have become sour saints. Have you met those? Bitter believers. And sadly, caustic. Caustic Christians. 
they are and have been so toxic that they have become a burden rather than a blessing in the ministry. Oh, they exist. They're present in many churches. Where are you at this evening? Are you still bitter at your father who verbally abused you? A mother, perhaps, that didn't care for you? Bitter against a pastor who believe, who you believe have wronged you? A boss that withheld your promotion? A friend that didn't stand by you when you needed him at the time? A church and a congregation that you believe didn't care about you and for you. Bitterness. Let me warn you in love, beloved, of all our other emotions, bitterness is the one or one of the one that we should watch out for. In fact, fear about. Somebody said, bitterness is a cruel cancer that will devour you from the inside out. Is it any wonder that the writer of Hebrews says in verse 15, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 18, please. Deuteronomy and the uh, Old Covenant, chapter 29, and here in verse 18. I'm just going to pick up some verses here, not necessarily uh, uh, go for the context. It's the word that I'm uh, interested in. Lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. The word gall here is a plant of intense bitterness. Intense bitterness and of quick growth. It is almost used most of the time with wormwood which is another plant, as we just read. Wormwood is the plant absinthium. It's an herb used in alcoholic drinks. Its oil contains the chemical thujone, which is poisonous in great quantities. (coughs) At the time, it is commonly used and given to criminals at the moment of their execution to numb their senses. That's how strong this bitter drink is. And these criminals that are due for execution are essentially being poisoned before they get the head chopped. Beloved, if you and I are to face up to this giant of bitterness, we must first recognize the problem of bitterness. 
the problem of bitterness. Verse 15 in our text we just read, we find the writer of the book recognize and acknowledge the problem of bitterness. Notice how he described it. He described it as a root of bitterness. You see, beloved, roots are undetected. They are the unnoticed part of the plant. Uh, In this case, that bitter plant of gall and wormwood. It is under the surface of the ground, and it really is unseen until you rip it off the ground and then see the root that's in that plant. You see, you gardeners know that as it sets deep into the ground, it's very hard to remove the roots. And one must be careful in uprooting the plant because there will always be leftover roots deep into the ground. And guess what happens? It grows back again. The same is true, beloved, with the root of bitterness. It is mostly unseen. It sets deep into the soul of man. And it's not easily removed. You see, beloved, the etymology or the source or the, the, um, the, the, the style of this word bitterness is from an old English word, biter. And has the idea of having a harsh taste, sharp, cutting, angry, full of animosity, cruel. That's where that word bitterness started, a biter. Notice that the first four letters of the word bitterness spells bite. One preacher suggested that it is like being bitten by the old serpent Satan, releasing his venom and poison the man's heart and life. Now turn to Acts chapter 8, verse 23. It's a familiar passage for uh, some. <clears throat> Here we find Peter rebuking uh, Simon the sorcerer. Again, we're not... Uh, particularly interested in the the context of the verse. The word is uh, what we're after. Acts chapter 8, verse 23. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. You see, Simon the sorcerer here is desiring to pay money uh, for the power uh, that he saw Peter and the rest of the disciples performing in healing and uh, performing miracles uh, to the people at that day. And Simon, being a sorcerer, a merchandiser, a businessman, he wants that power, and he's offered them money so that they will give him that power. And so Peter here said, For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. He wants to sell that power. And so the word gall here, beloved, means poison. Poison. And so that preacher, after all, may actually be right. For it is as if Satan had bitten and released his poison to that man. 
bitterness. Somebody described bitterness as the atmosphere produced in us internally when we meditate over life's circumstances and decide that we have not been given a fair deal. Another said, bitterness is harbored hurt hidden in the heart. Bitterness is really that feeling of hurt, that feeling of resentment, that feeling of anger, a hate, and even revenge that often builds up in our hearts when we have been bitten by certain experiences of life. Again, Are you bitter tonight? Or are you being bitter? Take Stephen Hawking, for example, a brilliant mind as the world sees. This was the man who said, and I quote, I regard the brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There is no heaven or afterlife for broken down computers. That is a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. End of quote. Stephen Hawking. Now I did not know this man and I don't know him personally and I do not want to be dismissive of his disability. But I suspect, judging from his writings and the quotes that uh, he has given and I've read quite a few, This man was a very angry and bitter man towards God. And I suspect because of his physical disease, which has left him confined to his wheelchair almost all of his life. He wasn't born that way. He had contracted the disease that confined him in his wheelchair. He's a brilliant man, a scientific mind, uh, but because of his disease, he is left into his wheelchair. Now I I can understand why he would be angry and frustrated at God. I do. And so perhaps his, and I'm not giving him a pass, his coping mechanism, if you like, was to deny the existence of God because of what has happened to him. It's an easy way of removing that into your head. So by his own reckoning that His brain is just a computer which will stop working and uh, that there is no afterlife. He doesn't see himself living another round of life because of his condition. And that uh, it is a fairy story for people that are afraid of the dark. That's his conclusion. You know, if he only believed in God and his word, he would discover that this corruptible body will be changed to an incorruptible body. That he will not have to live in the afterlife confined to his wheelchair. He would have discovered that his brain is not just a computer and that it will not just fail because of its component failing, he would have discovered from the word of God that he has been fearfully and wonderfully made. 
he would have an understanding and assurance that there is indeed an afterlife and a place called heaven above where uh, heaven above where no one is confined to a wheelchair there are no wheelchairs in heaven if anything those that are citizens of heaven will walk the streets of gold the bible says <laughs> He would have experienced by now if he only believed that heaven is not for people who are afraid of the dark. For in heaven, beloved, there is no darkness. There's no night. And heaven is light because the true light, the light of the world, this world and heaven above, is in residence there. There is no darkness. Mm. I'm afraid and judging from Hawking's words where he is right now is indeed a place of darkness bitterness it is real and it must be recognized folks people get bitter due to many things but could I from what I've learned over the course of the week uh, there are at least three things why people get bitter. People get bitter because of what was said to them. People get bitter because of what was done to them. People get bitter because of what was taken from them. Now let's just examine the first one. That of being bitter because of what was said to them. I want to take you back to our series on the B attitudes. The Sermon on the Mount out of Matthew 5. Didn't the Lord Jesus said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you. And shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Matthew 5, 11. And then he followed it up immediately. In verse 12, the Lord said, Rejoice. Not be bitter. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So if people are saying things against you, you're in good company. The Lord Jesus Christ have experienced that during his time. The prophets before us, they've experienced that. What about being bitter because of those things that were done to us? Did not the Lord say, love your enemies? Franco was uh, repeatedly saying this this morning. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That's the Lord's response for those people that did things to us. What about this matter of being bitter because of what was taken from us? Again, did not the Lord say, if any man will sue thee at the law, take away thy coat, 
let him have thy cloak also. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Matthew 5, 40, 42. Beloved, can I say to us tonight, in all this, we cannot control what people do to us. We cannot control what people say to us. We cannot control what people take away from us. But can I tell you tonight, uh, what we can control is how we react when these things are done to us. And that reaction, we could either be bitter or better. Better by following and applying what we learn out of the Sermon on the Mount. Now I know it's easier said than done. Pastor Manny, you're living in a dreamland. Oh, beloved, I'm not. Because just like you, I've experienced these things and more. So I have a choice to make. Do I become bitter? Which is very tempting and easy to do. Or do I get better? And apply what I've been preaching to you and at you. I don't always get it right. But my Bible tells me to behave the way that it's asking me to do. So you have a choice. You either become bitter all your life or be better. We just learned how bitterness is real and must be realized. Over the next few minutes, let us consider how it is revealed. Remember, it was described by the writer of Hebrews in our text as a root, the unseen. And the only time that you will see it is when it's rooted out of the ground. So how is bitterness revealed? Let me tell you a story of a grandfather who was a loyal and well-respected counselor or advisor to the king. He had a granddaughter. She was a beautiful granddaughter and married to a man who was dedicated soldier serving in the battlefield. One day he learned that his granddaughter's husband was killed in action, KIA. And oh, how he grieved with his granddaughter. Perhaps he even stood with her at the funeral. But not many days after this incident, the grandfather learned that his granddaughter's loss was premeditated. It was actually planned by the king whom he served and counseled uh, and served faithfully and loyally. The king was the mastermind and the real cause of the death of his granddaughter's husband. This was... Uh, uh, the reason why the king did this is so that he can steal the, and marry this now widowed granddaughter. Since then, this grandfather sought for an opportunity to get even. The root of bitterness has sprang up in him and his soul. He saw an opportunity in the king's son who rebelled against his father, uh, the king, and wanted to usurp the kingdom and the authority, uh, and take the kingdom from his very own dad. The grandfather hatched his bitter plan, and this time advised not the king, 
but the rebellious son to disgrace and ultimately destroy the king. The grandfather, full, now full of bitterness within him, he wanted to get back to the king by biting back. This is not a fictitious story. You can find it in 2 Samuel. This has actually happened. The embittered grandfather was Ahithophel. The king was David. The granddaughter was Bathsheba. The husband was Uriah. And the rebellious son was Absalom. Read all about it in 2 Samuel. Bitterness was in the heart of Ahithophel for many years until he took the opportunity to bite back. And what happened to Ahithophel can happen to you and it can happen to me. Folks, I wish I can tell you that no one will talk bad about you. I wish I can guarantee you that no one will hurt you. Oh, how I wish that no one will take something away from you, but I can't, and I don't think anyone can. But what I can admonish and encourage you tonight, when these things happen to you, and you do not react and deal with it in the biblical way, you will become like Ahithophel. So bitter was he that he ended up hanging himself. He couldn't go on living if David was alive. Listen, bitterness will destroy you. Take a lesson from a snake. I learned that some snakes, if injured, they resort to biting themselves. My dear ones... My dear ones, those that are you watching me right now, bitterness will make you bite others, yes. But ultimately, you are going to be biting yourself and hurting yourself in the process. Has anyone here heard of or know of what kudzu is? K-U-D-Z-U. Kudzu. Well, kudzu is a vine native to Asia, but has been found present in North and Southeast Queensland for some time now. Kudzu can grow and spread rapidly, competing with and eventually smothering native vegetation, as well as tree crops. The vines can become quite heavy, breaking any plants they happen to grow on. Left unmanaged, kudzu vines can also damage buildings, overhead wires, and other structures. In the United States, kudzu causes an estimated $50 million a year of damage and infests 2 to 3 million hectares of land. If it is not controlled and prevented from spreading further in Queensland, kudzu could become a major pest there as well can I tell you tonight beloved bitterness left unmanaged will damage you mentally will damage you mentally it will draw you like a magnet 
your mind will be drawn again and again for that someone or something that makes you bitter. I have learned of a Dr. Macmillan in his book, None of These Diseases. And he said, and I quote, The moment I start hating a man, I become his slave. The moment I start hating a man, I become his slave. I can't enjoy my work anymore because he even controls my thoughts. My resentments produce too many stress hormones in my body and I become fatigued after only a few hours of work. The man I hate hounds me wherever I go. I can't escape his tyrannical grasp on my mind. The man I hate may be many miles from my bedroom, but more cruel than any slave driver, he whips my thoughts into such a frenzy that my inner spring mattress becomes a rack of torture. The lowliest of the serfs can sleep, but not I. I really must acknowledge the fact that I am a slave to every man on whom I pour the vial of my wrath. End of quote. Bitterness will also drain you emotionally. Bitter people are unhappy. They are critics, cynics, negative, and pessimists, and they are no fun to be with. They become so bitter that they cannot even think properly and function emotionally. They have no joy and are often incapable of lasting joy. Sadly for many, they cannot even enjoy the joy of their salvation in the Lord. That's how bad bitterness is. The same Dr. McMillan listed over 50 different physical diseases that is and can be caused by bitterness. I say it again. The bitter person hurts no one more than he hurts himself. Somebody said, bitterness does a great deal more damage to the vessel in which it is stored than the object on which it is poured. I couldn't agree more. Bitterness damages you mentally, it drains you emotionally, and thirdly, which is more importantly, it destroys you spiritually. Back in our text in Hebrews 12, look with me again in verse 15. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Okay, now, lest any man fail or fall short of the grace of God. Beloved, this does not mean that God's grace fails or falls short. Never. God's grace never failed and has never fallen short. What it means is that the bitter person can and will fail to take and exercise grace that he himself has been a recipient of. Uh, 
How is that, you ask? You see, a better person cannot worship as he should worship. He comes to the place of worship, and as soon as he walks in the door, he sees that person, and it triggers his bitterness towards that person. He suffers and is being destroyed spiritually because, whereas he should forgive that person who he believes has wronged him, uh, he needed to forgive that person the same way that the Lord Jesus forgave him of his own wrong deeds. He cannot exercise. He falls short of the grace of God because he simply won't forgive that person. And from there is downhill. He is destroyed spiritually because the spiritual life and the fruit of the spiritual life is Galatians 5.22. Being love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. A bitter person is unable to exercise these because he hasn't got them. Or at least it's muted in him. Why? Because he is being dominated by bitterness, you see. Bitterness is what's ruling in him. And therefore he falls short of the grace of God. He cannot exercise what he himself has been a recipient of God's grace. And he would not pass it on to others. And so, so far we have learned to realize the reality of bitterness. We've just considered how it is revealed in us. And thirdly, as we close, how do we then face up? This is the application now. How do we face up to this giant of bitterness? How do we remove, how do we uproot bitterness from us? There is hope. Well, let's look back in our text here in verse 14. It says, follow peace with all men. Follow peace with all men. The word follow here is the oko. And it has the idea of actively pursuing, actively persecuting, actively pressing toward it. Now, if you and I want to remove bitterness in our hearts and lives, we have no recourse but to actively, that means aggressively, pursue peace. With all men. Not just those who agrees with us. With all men. The dilemma <clears throat> with bitter persons. Is that they believe they are the victims. In that they have been done wrong. And as a consequence. They feel as if someone owes them something. They have this feeling of entitlement. They don't mean to behave this way, but they feel that someone owes them an apology. They are waiting instead of pursuing peace. 
they are waiting for someone to come and apologize to them, stroke them, feel sorry for them, and listen to all their gripes about what has happened and what was done and what was taken from them. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not being callous. I know. People have been done wrongfully. I have been on the receiving end of that. But if I'm going to face up to this giant of bitterness, if I am to remove this bitterness which will destroy me, which will dominate me, which will keep me falling short of the grace of God, if I'm to uproot this bitterness out of my heart, I need to pursue peace. Actively, aggressively. You know, sometimes, every one of us that are at one point or another, we've been bitter. Let's not uh, make this palatable. There have been times in our life that we have been bitter. But you see, if we are to uproot that bitterness out of our heart, we have to actively pursue peace, like I said. We must end the conflict. We must work on being restored and rebuild that fellowship. The trouble with us Christians sometimes is we all want the restoration We all want the rebuilding of the fellowship. But no one wants to make the first move. No one wants to make the first move in pursuing peace. We are waiting for the other to take the initiative because if and when we do that first step of pursuing peace, it's like we are admitting that we are in the wrong. So, rather than us pursuing peace, we wait. Let him come to me. And then I will forgive him. And then, hopefully, we will restore the fellowship. Problem, beloved, is we find it so hard. We find it so hard to say, I am sorry I am wrong. You know, sometimes we're just like that monk I mentioned in the beginning. We're still carrying that old lady on our back five miles down the road already. No wonder we're hurting. No wonder our backs are stiff. Who are you carrying? And what are you carrying at your back tonight? Bitterness. It will damage you mentally. It will drain you emotionally. And most importantly, it will destroy you spiritually. Face up to this giant, my dear ones, and rip up the root of bitterness in your soul. How? Actively. Aggressively. Follow peace with all men.
father another giant in our life and truth be told you seeing everything that happens to our hearts your word said that the the thoughts and intents of our heart are always bare before you oh there have been plenty of moments in our lives that we have become bitter but father you don't want us to become bitter you've given us principles and guidelines in your word itself to root out out of bitterness in our hearts. Oh, we may do so. Help us, Father, to make that first move, to take the initiative, to be aggressively, actively pursuing peace with all men not just the ones that agree with us. Because, Father, if we don't, we are going to fall short of the grace. That means we won't exercise the very same grace that you have extended upon us to our fellow men. And ultimately, we will be hurting ourselves more than those others that we want to bite back. Father, forgive us for those times that we have become bitter. And after tonight, oh, after tonight, may we learn the lesson from the snake that when we're hurt, most of the time, We are the ones that are hurting ourselves. Help us to uproot that root of bitterness in our lives. We do ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.